Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, even in Zoom, I still get anxious when I chair a meeting. Uh, not nearly the amount of anxiety I used to experience when I chaired meetings, but a little bit. And as I stuck around these programs, I've come to learn that that's actually normal. You know, it's, it's normal to be anxious when you're doing public speaking, you know, and I always thought that if you were anxious, you were kind of defective. And that is definitely not true. Um, welcome to any newcomers. I Personally, I want to say that I'm a volume eater. I like big rather than good. Um, part of my food plan is I, I like hash brown potatoes. And so once a week, I go to the uh, grocery store and pick up a 32-pound, 32-ounce bag of um, hash browns and a 32-ounce bag of diced potatoes. I like the hash browns better. But I kind of get weird if I eat the same thing all the time. So I kind of split it up. So I went a few weeks ago to the store and looked for my favorites. And they had the 32-ounce diced um, ones. But I didn't see any of the uh, hash browns. But then I looked around, and they have, there was the store brand, and they had a bag for counter below. I said, well, that solves the problem. And then I looked at the bag and it was 30 ounces instead of 32. And I had this big decision to make. Am I going to go with my favorite and a little less of it? Or am I going to go with two of the dice? And naturally I went for two of the dice um, because that extra one ounce of hash brown potatoes is so important to my happiness. You know, or at least that's how I feel. I mean, that's how my disease responds, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's probably not normal, but it's not compulsive eating to either. You know, I still eat, um, quite properly. I stick with my food plan and I've done with it, done so for several years. Um, I will give you my numbers before I start. I, I came into OA and, I went to two meetings in 1986, but they didn't do anything for me. And then I came back in 1990 because I was pretty beaten. And I've been coming to OA on a regular, on a regular basis ever since. And I've maintained uh, a 50-pound weight loss for most of that time. And my current string of back-to-back -back abstinence began on September 1st. 2008. So that's over 12 years with only eating meals and not eating between no snack food and no sugar, you know, and the longer I've done it, the easier it's gotten, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, I tell people that I don't eat everything I want to eat, but everything I eat is something I want to eat. You know, I don't believe in punitive, well, myself, I don't think a punitive for food plan would work for me. So, and this one does. 
And I will say that what it was like, I grew up in the Midwest uh, in the 50s and 60s. It was your basic Midwest household. I had a mom who yelled a lot and an absentee father who lived at home. And, you know, it was a, it was a cold family in a certain regard. My, my parents both had a little streak of meanness to them. It would very rarely manifest itself, but it, when it did, it really stung, you know, and, uh, and I still bear the scars of some of the things that were said and done. But for the most part, we were certainly well provided for. I'm grateful for that. They really, they scrimped and stayed and forgot, forgo, forgo, forgoed a lot of things in order to put me and my two sisters through um, Catholic schools. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, but it was kind of like, we were important to them at Christmas and on our birthdays. But other times it was kind of like, it was very much fend for yourself. You know, and uh, we very, very rarely did things. We took two family vacations the entire time of my childhood, you know, and uh, I'm always surprised when I hear people talk about how their family went on vacation every year, you know, but actually, that actually seems to be the norm. Thank you, Lewis. But um, I didn't do a lot of overeating back then. I just remember being a very shy and anxious kid. In fact, I mean, when I say anxious, I definitely mean anxious. I pretty much had no other feeling except anxiety. So it was interesting discovering other feelings once I got sober and then abstinent. Um, but uh, there were a couple times when I really binged as a little kid, and I was very selfish with my food. Um, I once went to the movies with my older sister. I, I bought four boxes of popcorn, you know, and they were like a dime each back then. And I ate all four of them without sharing any of it during the first feature. And during the intermission, I just leaned over into the aisle and threw it all up, you know. And, uh, and I don't know why I did that, but I guess I had the gene of overeating, you know. But again, it was not a big problem in my teens or even in my 20s. Um, in my 20s, it was alcohol that was the problem. I drank like a maniac. I drank my way out of the University of Notre Dame back in 1970, and I hitchhiked out to the Bay Area, and I've been here ever since. Amazingly, that's 51 years now. I can't believe it. But um, it was just, it was what I had to do. You know, it was like booze decided what my life, what I was going to do during the day. You know, and uh, and after I got sober, who decided what I was going to do? Uh, not as much, but somewhat. But anyway, I drank and did drugs throughout the 70s. I ate once in a while. But when you do a lot of cocaine, you don't focus a lot on food, believe me. And so I ended up getting into a lot of trouble. I always think the third tradition is... I, only requirement for membership is a desire to get out of trouble. And then I went to uh, I went to AA back in 1981, and I got sober in 1982. And I proceeded to gain 70 pounds my first two years clean and sober. And that was a lot of narcotics, you know, because that's what food was for me. It was a narcotic. It just kind of kept me from feeling anything. I, you know, like I said, anxiety was my only emotion prior to getting sober. 
And once I got sober, anger, envy, uh, self-pity, and self-loathing, you know, kind of started to manifest itself. And the food kept it at bay, you know. But it, it you know, 70 pounds in two years is a lot. And I just kind of, um, but I fought it for six years, you know. I just, I, and I made no progress, you know. Doing something for six years and making no progress, it's very frustrating, you know. But I just thought I could do it by myself, just like I thought I could stop drinking by myself. And I couldn't. I'll tell one um, food story and then I'll get to getting abstinent. But when I got sober, I discovered mopas. And I would take them with me to a meeting. And I would drink them one during the meeting. But my favorite part of the mocha was the uh, whipped cream. And that was always gone first, which was very frustrating. So I solved that problem by stopping at the grocery store and picking up a can of Ready Whip and taking it with me along with the mocha to the meeting. And then when the whip, when the whipped cream was gone, I would just pull up the can of whipped cream, um, whipped cream and spray it and, and drink it. You know, and uh, I thought, yeah, you're a pretty clever guy. You know, and that'll put on a lot of weight is going through a can of whipped cream every two days. Um, that's quite caloric. And one time I was doing it and I was very self-conscious about it. So at AA meetings, there's a lot of clapping. So it always timed my spray with the clapping, you know. So somebody would say, oh, it's my anniversary. And people would applaud and I'd whip up my whipped cream and put it in the mocha and then put it back. And one time, everybody started to applaud and I whipped it out and then everybody stopped applauding quickly. And I was caught, you know, and the, the woman in front of me looked around and turned around and looked at me and, and said to the person sitting next to her, he's got a problem, you know, and I had a problem, you know, and I couldn't solve it. So in 1990, I started coming to Overeaters Anonymous on a regular basis. Thank you, Louis. And I was astonished at how quickly I took to it. I, I thought I would really resist it because, um, you know, being an overeater is hard on your grandiosity, you know, and, uh, and it was hard on mine. But I liked it, you know, and, and it worked for me. And I remember, and I, I developed almost my entire program just listening to what other people had to say. You know, I heard somebody say that her higher power was not only a loving God, but an only loving God. And I thought, that's better than the higher power I've come up with, so I'm gonna go with that one. You know, and I've kept that higher power, that only loving God. Uh, and that God is on my side, and I'm grateful for that. And I would hear people talk about their food plans. I would just think, well, that, you know, and there's this thing called making sense, you know, and a lot of food plans would make sense. You know, I would um, hear people talk about how meals had a beginning and an end. And they call them, some people call themselves moderate meters, you know, and I tried that and that actually, I am not a moderate meter. I would say I eat three pretty big meals a day but I never touch anything in between and I don't eat any sugar or any snack food whatsoever. And I've done that for nearly, you know, 
probably 29 years and you know probably 30 years now so that is a blessing and the longer you do it and this is an important message to the newcomers from my perspective is the longer i do it the easier it gets you know it's just kind of um i you know i actually can't eat blackberries you know i i really like them and i found myself putting them in my cereal and i never went overboard with them but i realized that i had to have them you know any food that i have to have i have to be willing to let go you know it's kind of like because that food starts to own me and that's the only healthy food i've ever have, had to give up um, all the other ones are just junk you know and uh, and so i've maintained that weight loss i'm grateful for it i've actually become much more active in oa recently i am the chairman of the inner group um, and i like doing it i kind of i volunteered to do it the first time for an unhealthy reason but it turned out that i was good at it and i liked it so i continued to do it and this you know i'll be termed out after this year which is a good thing you know it's always good to move on to different things but i really want to stress how much service has helped me you know and uh it's just um, I can't emphasize it, it becomes not only worthwhile, but in a way it becomes fun. You know, you really connect with a lot of people. Um, intergroup is not, you know, a joke fest. It's hard work at times, but everybody there seems really happy to be there. And so if anybody's ever considering serving on intergroup, think about it. Is it worth it? And it's important to OA, I think. And so. And I just keep showing up. I sponsor three people. And really all I do is every day, each one of them calls in their food to me. Uh, well, one of them does it twice a week. He was doing it more often, but he thought twice a week would work fine. And he's, he's doing well in the program. Um, another one isn't. Um, and you can tell who's doing well. And well, that's judgmental, but you know, the guy who calls it in twice a week is very serious about it, you know, and he sticks with it. And the person, one other person calls in every day. And then the next day tells me what they ate the previous day. And half the time it isn't what he called in, you know, and uh, it's not like, it's not like he ate unhealthy things, but I think if you don't follow your food plan, you're asking for trouble. And I think this is a good program to make it a point to stay, stay away from trouble. You know, enough of it will come your way. You know, there are enough food opportunities out there. We don't need to create them ourselves. And so, and I've also enjoyed the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. It's taught me a lot about uh, expressing intimacy. I find the shares in Overeaters Anonymous more intimate than the ones in AA. And, and that's kind of natural. You know, there's there's a, it's a lot easier to find humor in AA and just skirt along on that. But AA, OA is really nitty gritty. You know, it's kind of like, okay, thank you, Lewis. And with that, I will end. And I will suggest, um, I'll say, I read the story Grounded in the Big Book this afternoon to kind of inspire me. That's my very favorite story in the Big Book. And it just reminds me of the importance of getting started. You know, and I find, you know, OA for me 
and the work I do in OA is so much focused on getting started, you know, and then my higher power leads me like nine tenths of the way, you know, and, uh, and I got to remember that.